0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape, I meet Malachi Smith. Malachi is a multiple award winning poet and a dub poet, and he is an international performer. Malachi was also a police officer in Jamaica. And we want to hear all about that time hello malachi and welcome to the program
1: thank you so much for having me
0: you're very welcome now let's start from the very beginning tell me about yourself
1: i am malachi smith i was born in Moreland hills westmoreland in jamaica and i i left westmoreland when i was very young i heard that i flung a, a, a rock stone at a mango and it hit a child. I was so young that I don't recall it. <laughs> anyway. I, so what happened I, with this rock stone and mango business? What happened? Well, I, I dearly love mangoes. Apparently it was a thing from from baby days. And I heard that I threw a, a rock stone at a mango and somehow it ended up hitting a child. Mm-hmm. So, um my mother's fiance at the time who dearly loved me. I remember that very much. Up to this morning I was thinking about it. But anyway, he decided that I like so I I was throwing too many rockstone at mangoes and it's gonna cause problems. So I was sent to my dad, who at the time was living in Milk River, Clarendon. Mm-hmm. He stayed a little time there, wasn't really welcomed because I was taught of as not being my dad's child. Um, so I ended up being sent to his mother, my grandmother in St. Catherine, where I grew up and and lived and went to school until I became a working adult, yes.
0: So what age would that be? Uh,
1: well, I, I when I got to St. Catherine, not my grandmother, I was about six years old, because mm-hmm. I started going to elementary school at seven. Mm-hmm. and I stayed there until I became a police officer in 1974, November 1974. So I was 18 years old. And that's an interesting backstory too, because I should have gone to college. But again, they thought that they should not waste money on me because of my complexion and other things. So I ended up Going to the police academy, which I had no intention or interest in. Period. It was just one of those journeys that came about.
0: Well, I w- yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How did you come to join the police force?
1: Well, as I said, um, my whole intention was to um, go to college, and and I and I loved um, broadcasting, in particular in particular, commentating. I was an excellent commentator. I used to practice underrated constant. I a practice <laughs> doing cricket. Was it RJR? RJR and JBC. And JBC, yeah. Yeah, I just practice <laughs> constantly. So that was my intention, to become a, a journalist slash broadcaster. I kind of like politics, too. So I said I in politics. But when I didn't, you know, opportunities weren't really coming. So I was at home one day, I done my um, my O levels and JC J- J- and O levels, and they wanted me to come and teach at the school at elementary school that they attended. But I wasn't sure about it, mm-hmm. so I was at home one morning. My grandmother came and said, "Get up out the bed." My cousin, to the police facility, recruiting center in Kingston, because she wanted to become a police officer. So I went. And I was just 17, she joined the line for the female, I joined the line for the male. They measured me, they said I was short. When they asked me my age, they said, okay, you can become a cadet and that will give you the opportunity to grow the extra half an inch. She failed the test, I passed it. So that's how my journey started. She became a registered nurse after anyway, but that's how the whole policing came about. So it was one of those journeys that I was to take in life.
0: How long were you a police officer?
1: Um, 12 years, nine months, and 10 days.
0: That's very precise.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It is one of those journeys that um, it was so co- colorful. It was challenging. It was growing up. Um, it was witnessing a lot, seeing a lot. I was the youngest police officer of close to 8,000 police officers in the Jamaica Constabulary Force. A lot, of, a lot of people wanted to teach me things. And I was learning as I went along. I was very bright then too. Um, I'm kind of dull now, but I was brilliant. <laughs> I could just read things and I remember everything I read and I just aced the exams and stuff like that.
0: So were you based in Kingston or were you based somewhere else?
1: Well, I went almost all over the island. I I, I started out in Montague Bay. And it was said then that the officers who had a lot of potential to, to go up the ranks in, in the force in Jamaica, they sent them to St. James first, which was where I was sent, Montego Bay. Um, so I stayed in Montego Bay. Then I went to, I worked in the, on the road for a little while. Then I was recruited and I went in the general office. And that's an interesting story too. After that, I went to a little station in Lilliput. Then I wanted to attend the Jamaica, the Edna Manley College, Jamaica School of Drama. So I applied for study leave to go, and they wouldn't grant me the study leave. So I applied for a transfer to public relations, but I wasn't sent there. I was sent to half a tree instead. So after half a tree, I went to Criminal Intelligence Division. Then I went to the St. Catherine Division. Then I went to West Kingston, then I went to the Flying Squad and Homicide and I left in eighty-seven.
0: Homicide, so what's what's that? Tell us about that.
1: Well, homicide is actually investigating um shootings and and, and deaths, um, you know, whether natural or unnatural, it depends on the circumstances. Questionable deaths. But in particular, um, homicides that that were committed were, you know people kill other people, persons kill other people, um, you know. So, so we did a lot of those. Uh, we'd be the, the, the primary entity in the force when you had sensational murders and the like that would handle those investigations. It
0: sounds as if you've had quite a varied and interesting career
1: being I a police did.
0: officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what, I what, what were some of the worst things that you experienced as a police officer in Jamaica?
1: Well, a, a lot of things that sometimes you don't want to think or, or, or talk about. Um, you know, I've see, I saw a lot of cruelty. For argument's sake, I remember um, being a young police officer in Montagabay and I was on the street wor- working alone that day, doing beat duties. So I was very green. And I remember this corporal, they used to call him Django, because he was such a bad man, you know, strong, troppling man. And he drove up beside me in this in this jeep. It was a jump out jeep, so it was a jeep without the back. And he and his sidekick, this um, kid who is now deceased, were, they worked together as a team. And he drove up beside me and he said, isn't three men stronger than two men? And I said, yes, corporal. And he said, jump in the jeep. You know. So, of course, he's a corporal, I jumped in the jeep. And that man went around and he terrorized the whole Mantega Bay that day. But there was this particular incident that he did that, that really frightened me, where an old lady was selling fruits out a basket on the, on the side of the road. And you see a lot of those on the postcards it, it, about Bay and Rios, And he basically just got out of the jeep and just jumped on that woman's basket and he crushed all the fruits. And, and she was like crying and he told her, the the biggest, as we say in Jamaica, bad word in DC language, which is an offense. But he was this, this carpal lot cussing out this old woman. And he didn't do that. He arrested her. And I said, what a cruel man. You know? So so you, you saw a lot of that. Um, I remember again we when we were at the police academy. After we had finished training, they wanted us to, to, instead of having two major graduations back to back are so close, they decided to hold us back for another two months. So we're just at the academy doing anything, and we started saying that we wanted to go work. So they arranged major operations, and we went in waterhouse in in I think it's west southwest St. Angel. And I remember in it was pre-dawn. So this was a between say 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. And this man was coming from, I don't know where he was coming from. But the sergeant, never forget it. He was like, Where you coming from, boy? And he started beating the hell out of him with his hand. And his hand, his hand was huge and and you know, like almost like a club. When he slapped that man in his chest, you could hear like things breaking. You know, hear that man. You know, bawling and stuff. You know, mercilessly. You know, so I um, saw a lot of cruelty. Um, I saw a lot of great things too.
0: I was just about to ask you about that, about some of the good things that you saw and experienced as a police officer. Tell us more about that.
1: Well, for one, um, I, I, because of my background in drama and 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 stuff like that, and also used to be very active in in youth clubs. What I did was I started police youth clubs. You know, I thought the 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 members acting lessons, our dancing lessons, wrote plays for them. We entered competitions. Um, I I I somewhat became mentors to a number of those younger children in Montego Bay. I did it again in 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 and the Central. Did some in Spanish Town and I still maintain. You know close relationship with them you know they always tell about they're so grateful for for what I did to did for them and of course I wasn't really doing anything special you know in in mentoring and modeling the way you know for youngsters so a lot of that came about you know there were a lot of cops who went out of their way to to assist students who needed money to go to school and stuff like that are doing counseling there, there was a a, a, a corporal, a police corporal, I think his name was Lawrence at, at St. Joe Police Station, who didn't believe in arresting people. So if he caught like people who were gambling in the park downtown, he'd have them kneel down. He, he was a minister too. So he'd have them pray and stuff like that. And he said a lot of people did different things in their own right. People actually went out there in the communities. I remember in, in 1980 when you you had... You know, JLP and PNP supporters, they call themselves, labour rights and socialists were at each other's throat. They would come to Papine Station when I was there. They would sit on that bench like one family, would hear them talking, there'd be, be no fighting and you'd go there and you'd encourage them. So so they gave one the latitude to, to do very good things in a society like that.
0: So policing was just not about arresting people coughing them, putting the cuffs on, and hauling them off to jail. There seemed to be more to it than just that.
1: A lot lot more to it. A lot more to it. You you have to remember that um, the police in in a society like Jamaica, so it is the first branch of government that you can reach. In Jamaica, if you need counselling, if you have family issues, if there's a dead body if you need to commit a dead. So we have all these roles that the police officer plays, are used to play in the Jamaican society. Jamaica has changed so much now, I don't know what it is like. But I remember going to a home once, and the, the, the couple, they were managers, and they were having marital challenges, and I was sent there. To, to handle the dispute, and I look at the these two grown people. I'm like just barely twenty, and I'm sitting down at a table with them, and, and I'm strategizing as I listen to their story and advising them. It went very well. They became my very good friends after. But, but it gave you that type of opportunity, you know, to, to do stuff like that to impact people's life in a positive way.
0: Oh, that's good. That's really good. Now, you mentioned drama and arts. How right. was that transition from being a police officer to getting involved with the arts and drama? Tell us more about that.
1: Well, as I said, um, prior to going into the force, I, I always entered like the performing arts competition in the Jamaica Festival competition. So... I, I in my youth club, we formed a singing group, the scholars, and, and I wrote the songs, and we actually went to the national finals one year with my schoolmate, this kid named Errol Johnson. So we're very good at that. In addition to that, my grandmother had a, a church in her yard, a branch of the Assemblies of God. Whenever they had programs like Christmas during the summer, and I did my recitation, that whole church would light up so
0: I know that right. word. We don't hear it very often today, but I know about the recitation.
1: Right, right. <laughs> so so it, it was saying our little poems, you know, I, you know. And, and so whenever I did mine, the church would light up and people would be clapping and they would be, you know, offering money to put me back up to do it again. So I discovered that I had this type of you want to say magic talent to, to, to me. So one night i was walking along this road and i found myself you know saying over and over like we slaves we hungry slaves battered bruised corned and shaved and just went on and i kept on repeating it why i don't know but i started writing like writing what i thought was a poem and i shared it with this older man guy then youngster who was going high school then, and was like, "Wow, you're a bad poet, youth. You know, you have a lot of potential as a poet. You must write poetry, you know." So I started writing poems out of that. You know, I entered the poems again in the Jamaica Cultural Development competitions, and I started winning medals and stuff for my writing.
0: Oh, how old were you then, Malakai?
1: It started very young. Because I, I was still in primary school. So I would have to say I started, I started writing poems from say about nine years old. Wow. The, the school was the school actually publishing a magazine and they encouraged students to submit um, poems, stories, and articles. And I wrote three poems. And my three poems are the only poems that got published in that magazine. I still remember one of the poems, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it started out of that. So when I joined, when I became a police officer, I continued the tradition. And I got better at writing. You know, I was seeing things like, I remember seeing this murder scene where this the the, the guard who he fell asleep and his head was resting against a glass window. And the image is like crystallized. And when you see stuff like that, you have to write. You know, you just can't get it out of your head space. You know, so a lot of powerful um, poetry came out of situations that actually witnessed then in the forest.
0: So you are a dub poet. What does that mean apart from being a regular poet?
1: Okay, the, the dub poet, dubbing is a process. And and as Oko said, who is the one who coined the term, it was actually taking out something. Dubbing is taking out something, out something, and putting something back inside. So there was an era in, in the Jamaican space when the music, say, after the passing of Bob Marley, had gotten kind of soft so all the singers were singing about you know under woman and what under where a woman was wearing and it went on and on so the poet somewhat stepped in the void and started putting back positive things inside the culture so the whole the whole genre of dub poetry came to the fore of course dub poetry has its connection to the oral tradition from west africa where the griots would talk Told their stories in this rhythmic form because they had to entertain while telling their story. They had to hold their audience. So dub poet somewhat, you know, borrows from that tradition, right? We're the, we the recipient of, of things from that tradition. And we create this new dynamic form of poetry where the music can be implied, it can be reggae music, it can be jazz. It can be pop. It can be anything. But it has a rhythm, a distinct rhythm, a distinct performance. So the poem actually performs itself instead of just being read.
0: Now, you live in Florida. Were you a police officer in Florida?
1: I became a police officer in Florida again. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm wondering if if Claude Mackey... You know, the dead Claude McKay leads me in his footsteps because, as you know, he, he was also a police officer. Um, he, we were stationed at the same stations, and, you know, he left the force at the same rank as I did. And he's one of the most brilliant poets ever lived, too. You know, but I, when I came here again, I had no inkling of going back into any police force. Why
0: did you leave the police force in Jamaica?
1: Okay, a number of things. Um, family was relocating. I was out there. The society was going to a massive transformation. Um, discipline was no more. The, the Americans and the Russians were at war in Jamaica. It was an, an official civil war. So, so one side was arming, one side with M16 rifles, the others was given AK-47s. And it, it was a tragic period in our nation's history. As I said, discipline had gone through the, 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 the door, you know, um, and, and there was a massive decline. So this particular evening, I, I was the homicide officer for the corporate area. And I was on my way to work and it, it began to, to, to rain, just slightly though, like, more like a drizzle, steady drizzle. And I looked across the highway on the other side. It had a huge dividing you know, barrier there because there's actually a waterway over, over a bridge, over a canal. And I saw this pickup stop and it had some appliances in the back. And the driver was an older male, was pulling over, trap over the appliance so they wouldn't get wet and I saw some guys run out um, this ghetto area and they started chopping with machetes No, I'm in a dilemma because I can't go across with the car there's no way to turn the car and I figured that they were going to kill him so I could only stop the car and started firing shots in the air and they ran which gave me the, the opportunity to find somewhere further down to spin around the car when I went back he was Badly wounded, but but not dead. So I was able to just pull him in the car and took him straight to Kingston Public Hospital, then then notify the Huntsby detectives and you know they had it from there. But, but I was at work the night and I was perturbed, you know. You know, my like my soul was on fire. I said, do I want to continue living in a society where we have become where we have become beasts? You know, they're just tearing and chopping and, you know, doing all these things to each other. And, and I said, no, I said, no, mm. I had to leave. So so that was a major push in me leaving.
0: Mm. So was it an easy transition from Jamaican policing to Florida policing?
1: Uh, well, well, coming here, yeah, yeah, there are challenges. Um... You know, when I came, my first full car, just I wanted something to do. You know, I went and and did an interview for a job, and the man was like, get some ambition, go get yourself a better job. But I didn't really care, I just wanted to get started. Anyway, so I started selling cars. In in no time, I became the top salesman for the dealership. You know, and I I, I bought a nice house and things like that. I'd settled in, but then inflation started going through the roof, you know, and... You know, I decided that, hey, I needed to do something. So I'd sold this Jamaican engineer a car and he came and said, "Um, this company is hiring, you know, would you like to? So I went um, and did that for a little while and then I decided that I wanted to go to law school. So I started going school part-time and in the process, I got a full scholarship, but before the paperwork could be completed, that professor passed. So that was that. So I heard that this that University of Miami Police Department was hiring. So I said, wow, this is a wonderful opportunity to go to law school. But they have a, a great law school. I figured that you'd probably get free tuition or only pay part tuition. So I went, did the test, um, aced it. Mm. However, you're not, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> there, was, there was a Jamaican ex-police officer and staff. So after I finished doing everything you know they sent me to do some admin work administrative people work at headquarters and somebody said oh do you know this this gentleman he was a police officer in jamaica too and i said no and, and he said and i said we used to station and he told me and he said where are you used to station i said oh well then i'm told flying squad and he said you worked at flying squad and i said yes and he said are, you guys are all murderers and wow that place went silent You know, the next day I got a letter from them that, you know, we have found someone who is more qualified for your slot. Of course, I I figured out the guy when I told him that flying squad detectives are murderers. But what he he probably didn't know was that, A, you had a lot of, of gun detectives there straight up. No if and about guys that would kill you straight. On the other hand, it also had the best detectives in the island when it came to really doing serious investigations, you know, like really drilling down and 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 finding out things like solving the mathematical equations. That's where the ACE detectives were. So so you had that side of that dynamics to it, but apparently he wasn't aware of that. And then they were saying, you're the only one who's smiling inside here. <laughs> you know, so when you enter that office, it was a long office and you'd walk up by all these crew face detectives, but it would just be like, or, you know, like a wrench, a mechanical wrench. That's where the face would be. I was the only one who was laughing. So they said, what, what the hell are you doing here? But it was a process again. Mm-hmm. And then you go on this journey as a writer, sometime as a recorder of history, you know, to, to learn. So, you know, once that fell through with the University of Miami, Miami Miami-Dade Police Department was hiring. My my scores were excellent. So I just took the same scores, went to Miami-Dade, and so it started. So I didn't bother go to law school. I just kind of got comfortable and, Mm. you know, that was it, Mm. yes.
0: Mm. So have you completely given up being a police officer?
1: Yes, I'm retired almost six years now. And I'm enjoying it. I get a lot of opportunity to work in the community. I'm very active in the in the Jamaican community. In addition to that, I serve like three terms as the president for the Jamaica Police Association. I'm involved with like um, Caribbean foundation, Education Foundation, the Louis Bennett Coverly Heritage Council. I I I manage and coordinate coordinate their reading. Festival, annual reading festival, in addition to doing the writing clinic. So we do like two or three writing clinics per year. So, so my plate is full. Uh, and, and in addition to that, I host a radio program on Sunday evenings, Trickle Roots, Dub Poetry and more on WZOP and WZPP radio.
0: I was just thinking, did you say you had retired?
1: I am, yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm busier now <laughs> than, than before.
0: You said you had three poems accepted by your school magazine when you were eight, and you still remember one of them. Would you like to recite it
1: now? Definitely. Good. The poem is titled The Pirate of Thunder. How I came up with that title, I don't know. There once lived a pirate of thunder who had nothing to do, so he rode a little Honda to a port in Peru. He sailed from Peru to Asia with 50 men in his crew. They sailed and sailed and slumbered until near to land they drew. This pirate had no mercy. He even shot a flea, the wicked pirate Asunder, who rode to Peru. I wrote that poem when I was around eight or nine years old.
0: Well, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure, Malachi, thank you for being my guest on Behind the Yellow Tape. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Joy. It was my pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go Behind the Yellow Tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com. Vigilante now.